0: This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? Oh, come on. (laughs) I'm with you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree (laughs) on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio, with thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, here's Todd Bergaff. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast once again today on these Thursdays, the voice of the Golden Gophers and sports director at MNN, Mike Grimm, joins us. He does the uh, Golden Gopher uh, podcast as well. He has a, a Gopher Minute. Grimm,er you have almost as much airtime on this station as I do these days?
1: Hey, yeah. Well, I, I wish I could get your fat paycheck is what <laughs> I wish.
0: Hey, you know what? Uh, This Gopher men's basketball team continues to win some big games. Uh, You know, Rutgers, uh, a a nice win for them, ended uh, a little uh, short two-game skid. Uh, They still have a chance here to to get into that NCAA tournament, but they kind of need to make a run maybe here. How do you see it?
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, one they've been fun to watch, even in the yep. losses. Like, especially the last two losses. I, you know, I've had some people, you know, hey, uh, good to see them bounce back. And which, yes, uh, to get that win Sunday was big, but I didn't, I didn't view it that much as a bounce back because I thought they played winning basketball in both games. The yeah. scoreboard just didn't happen, you know, happened to go their way. That uh, particularly the game at Iowa. You know, they're they're up twenty with with I think sixteen minutes to go. And I actually looked this up. I think if you're up 20 with 16 minutes to go in college basketball, you're like at 92% to win. Mm. So weird stuff has to happen, and it did. They went cold, and uh, they being the Gophers, and Iowa scored on eight straight possessions, and they're a pretty good offensive team, um, Iowa, and so that can happen. But, uh, you know, you build a 20-point lead, most nights you're going to win that even if you do go cold, right? Yeah. It just so happened you went cold, they got hot, and, and, and um, you know, and they had a couple of bad turnovers late. Anyway, the point is, you know, in that game for 35 of those minutes, they were good, and for 32 of them, they outplayed the Hawkeyes on yeah. the road. And then at Purdue, they're the only team so far this year to have a halftime lead at Mackey Arena. Huh. And so that tells you something, too. And, in a, you know, I'm not a moral victory guy usually, and I, I wouldn't call that a moral victory. I would call it, though, I think it probably validates some things for them, like, oh, man, if we can hang with these guys in this building, we can beat people. Um, You know, I think back they lost at San Francisco by 18 points back in November you know, if they played San Francisco tonight, I, I gotta believe they'd they'd be a near double digit favorite now and that you know, that, that's nice to see a team improve and, and San Francisco's pretty good. They're like twenty and seven or something. I looked mm-hmm. it up um the other day. So, you know, that that's a pretty good team. So maybe I'm overstating it a little bit, but I, I think they'd be favored and so I think that's that's a that's a good sign of a team progressing and um, and 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 it's fun to watch. And yeah, that win against Rutgers was probably, I think, their most complete game of the year. And now they've got um, you know an Ohio State team that we're not sure what to expect today. Yeah,
0: yeah. you know the Iowa game. It's not like the Gophers are twenty points better than Iowa, or when they flipped it, they aren't twenty points better than the Gophers. It wound up a five point game. That's about where those two teams are. It, it and the Gophers now they lost. Uh, uh, Dawson Garcia, right? He didn't play much in the second half against Iowa, did yeah.
1: he? Yeah, like a minute. He got, yeah. he got a, a knee in the hip, and it was a bad bruise. And I, I think what happened was it, it limited his – he could run. You know, They took him back under the tunnel. He could run, but he could not uh, laterally go back and forth. Uh, you know, he moved that, and it was just too painful to to make a go of it, so I think he would have liked to have gone in, but they decided, you know, hey, we don't want to risk it, And, and you're right, I had forgotten about that aspect, so in addition to them getting hot and Minnesota going cold, I think Minnesota hit, like, four of their last 20 shots. Um, But if you're up 20, you normally, even on a normal day, uh, you probably withstand that and get out of there with a five-point win yourself. But Iowa, like I said, they got hot. Patrick McCaffrey, who had frankly kind of been struggling, got hot. And, of course, as luck, go for luck goes, Iowa, the next game is at Maryland and up by like 13 in the second half and then scored like six points in the final nine minutes. I'm like, where was that shooting on Sunday, you know? Um, but you know that's how the ball bounces sometimes, yeah, and, yeah. and you know, and, and that's the game we we live uh, in. Our I mentioned this on the coaches show because even the other day that Sunday game against Rutgers, the Gophers jumped up. Uh, they were up seventeen. Garcia hits a three to put them up seventeen with three and a half minutes to go. And then Rutgers scored 11 straight to cut it to six with like two minutes to go. And everyone's like, Oh, meltdown. They panicked. It's, you know, and it was like a, a 75 to 90 second stretch. And then Minnesota went back out, hit free throws and won by 11, which is a great win. They were, I think, a three point favorite in that game at home. So, um, to win that by 11 was great. And that, but, but we look, we view it from our gopher lens. So, oh my goodness. Uh, I was watching last night's, illinois penn state game with my father-in-law and penn state was trailing that game by 12 points with five minutes to go and by seven points with 40 seconds to go against the number 11 team in the country and won they came mm-hmm. back and won and we both were like well what a great game that was it was mm-hmm. really fun and i'm mm-hmm. like see this is what i'm talking about we view that game differently because it's not our teams. it's just a wonderful game yeah. but, but illinois fans are going oh my god we melted down a terrible day Da-da-da-da. it happened every night some team does this because there's good players on every team. Yeah. And so it's not a gopher issue. It's a, It's a, you know, I mean, the best players in the world are in the NBA, if you look at the box scores almost nightly, there's at least one game where an NBA team has blown a 20 point lead and lost. Yeah. And that's just how it works. And it's not anybody's fault. I mean, yes, could you play better? Did you want to win? Um, and I'm not even trying to excuse it. I'm just saying if people watch enough games and view it in the overall scheme, the Gophers are like everybody else. You yeah. know, they're going to blow games. And, and and we never thought of it the other way, right? When you were down 21 to Penn State there and, and Minnesota won. We yeah. didn't say, oh, well, Penn State, they, uh, you know, they panicked. And melted down and blew the game, and they're no good. And we thought of it like, what a tough, hard-nosed win that was for Minnesota. So the scope in which you view the game sometimes, um, you know, can can impact some things. And um, that's not to say that you want your team to go through that or hope so, but it happens, and yeah, yeah. and we have to accept that in today's game.
0: A guy who I've really enjoyed watching develop, and and you could just see the the growth in him as Feral Payne. Uh, we always could see the athleticism and the size. But it was almost like he kind of had a hard time getting everything to work in the same direction, you know, uh, organizing his feet and his, and his hands, like Bill Raftery always says, organize the puppies. And, uh, and, and he's really worked at that, it seems. 21 and 12 here the other night, he's really come yeah. along.
1: Yeah and and he's been battling this back spasm issue. I mean, if you uh pay close attention, um the the minutes he is on the bench, they put this kind of belt pack thing around his waist and it's a it's an electrical stimulation to try to keep that back going um, while he's not in because he you know and I, I hope it's not a chronic situation Ben Johnson um, whenever asked about it always says that it's um, the only thing that really helps it is rest and when you're going to rest in the middle of a big 10 season so hopefully they're here in the summer or the spring in the off season that thing settles down and it's good because back issues are no fun for anybody particularly if you're trying to You know, bang bodies with big guys like Dane Deja, who he'll be facing next week against Illinois, and um, Zeb Key tonight for Ohio State and others. Um, But he had a great game, as you mentioned, uh, career-high 21. I was impressed with the relentless nature with which he played. Um, He was a beast on the boards. Yeah. you know his his next step is now going to be making free throws um that 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 that's his one you know he he can't play late in games because of that but okay. um in terms of his skill his lift off the floor for a big guy um he's quick in elevation and he did this against one of the better bigs in the Big 10 Cliff Amore is second in the country in block shots hmm. first in the Big 10 in block shots he himself has a whole bunch of double doubles he scored 21 in the game as well so they were trading you know, punches, you know, figuratively, not literally, uh, in that game. And uh so to do it against uh, a bona fide big ten big um is even better, I think, you know, when you look at it. So um he's gotta have great confidence
0: heading into tonight. Yeah. I don't want to get off the sidetrack too much here, but there was a a nasty brawl that happened. I I don't even know the combatants here. I think it was over the weekend or earlier this week in college basketball. The game is over. They're in the handshake line, and all of a sudden they start throwing fisticuffs. Uh, uh, I hate to see that in college basketball.
1: Yeah, and you know, it it it's gotten to the point that there's been kind of this push from some of the the basketball media um that maybe we should eliminate the handshake line and I I had never have never been in favor of that because except in certain cases um like I believe like everyone wants to know how do we solve make sure that the court rush, you know, if if there's an upset, uh Matt Painter, you know, basically every time somebody beats Purdue if they're on the road, um they've had three losses on the road this year and they've all been um Court rushes right yep. uh, at nebraska at ohio state this past week and and at Northwestern early in the year, and he had a big concern and my my thing is if if you think they're going to rush the court don't stand around to shake hands with the other team cuz they don't want it they're not interested they want to get involved in the court rush too yeah. uh, just just wave at the guy and get the heck off the court yeah. so um so i'm in favor of it then um i don't know about eliminating it in general it seems like mm-hmm. like that it's a good sportsmanship thing to do it seems like um it's good but if if we if we have teams that can't handle a handshake line because we've had issues, right? Juwan Howard and Greg Gard a couple of years ago, Wisconsin and Michigan. Um, In fact, Juwan Howard's had two or three issues over the years in the handshake line. Um, Indiana and Iowa had an issue in the handshake line last year. I think uh, uh, Connor McCaffrey and Mike Woodson. Uh, got into a verbal spat. And so maybe, you know, I, I hate to say it, but maybe, maybe, you know, the NBA doesn't shake hands. They just, right. they move. Yep. Uh, you know, now that said, you know, there's usually three or four NBA guys that are trading jerseys and autographing stuff and they're schmoozing it up afterwards either way. But, may, you know, I, may, maybe that's, you know, shake hands before the game and, and move on. And it and, and used to be way back, 30 years ago, there was no handshake line. I'm not sure when that started, that tradition started. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say late 90s, early 2000s, this, this, that, that y- you shook hands. And so it's not like this longstanding all the way back to the 1920s, you shake hands, you know, baseball, uh, high school, right? Everybody, you know, walks across a diamond, little league, you walk across a diamond and you shake hands. Um, and, and I've always just thought it to be good, but but you're right. I saw that video of that fight, and that was nasty. Yeah, um, I forget who the I forget who the two teams were.
0: I just looked well, it up now. Texas A&M Commerce and Incarnate Word.
1: Uh, yeah, what, Incarnate Word, that's like a, that's a Christian I know what do they do? That's,
0: that's what I thought, what? Incarnate perfect. Word is in a brawl? Uh, yeah, that was unusual, and you know, hockey has had the tradition at the end of playoff series for handshake yeah. lines, uh, I don't know that they do it after regular season games, but after each playoff series, and those are some of the most intense physical playoff series you could oh, have. Yeah. Is in the NHL, yeah. and I don't think there's been many problems with that. So you know, more mature guys and stuff too there in the NHL.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, I I I don't. I'm torn on it because I think, gosh, can't can't we can't we be mature enough to handle yeah. a, a stinking handshake line? But then you see incidents like that, and you're like, maybe we're just best off, uh, you know, uh, heading to the locker room afterwards, which is which is a a, a sad statement, I suppose, on yeah. on you know sometimes what happens
0: yeah uh let's see Ohio State tonight you'll have the call Williams arena. How's the crowd been lately?
1: uh better the last couple, and that's the next step you I know you and I have talked about that mm-hmm. you know off and on for a while. uh the next step in this program is going to be making that uh Williams arena. Uh, a much bigger and better home court advantage and Mm -hmm. uh, the best way to do it is to fill the place or get it close to full because when those upper deck seats have a lot of people in them that noise funnels down and and it just creates a different sound in that building unfortunately we haven't heard that sound even when the gophers have played well just because those upper deck seats have been empty for most of the season and most of last year as well and and so Um, there there was a better crowd for Rutgers. I would think now that they, you know, look, as we mentioned, that there's kind of some, you know, Suhan had a a column, hey, there's a path, and he's right, there's a path to to potentially get there. So hopefully that's created some excitement. Um, they've lowered ticket prices. The get-in price for some of those upper deck seats is 20 bucks, and mm-hmm. so maybe that will fill some of them. There's no cheap tickets anymore, uh, and, and people who want to rip on the Gophers, at, you know, their get-in price is whatever. Um, and I get it. Uh go 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 try to get an upper deck seat at a Wolves game. You know, I mean it it, it it's a hundred bucks. Yeah yeah or more. And lower bowl is three hundred bucks sometimes depending on where you get. And and I'm not knocking that, that's not a shot at the Wolves. They're winning and they're filling the place. So who who are we to say anything about it? Um but um twenty bucks could get you into that game tonight. So I, I like that idea. Um and that's the next step cuz the build you know we've talked about it and I don't want to go you know way down that road but the building um has some charm to it But if it's not full, that charm kind of turns not, not, you know, it's not that charming, quite frankly. So (laughs) um, if it's full, it's great. And it can be absolutely one of the one or two best home court edges in the conference. And so for for the next step, because now we're starting to see, you know, a little building here. They're 16 and nine, seven and seven in the league. Uh, The next step is to get bodies, uh, more bodies in that building.
0: Uh, let's. I want to ask, I haven't asked for your take on the whole Vikings quarterback situation with Kirk Cousins approaching. Uh, I, I read today that if they don't have an extension with him by March the 12th, it probably isn't going to happen because the league year kicks in uh, the next day and they automatically have like a $29 million uh, dead cap uh, hit against them. So if they haven't gotten something done by them, it probably isn't going to happen. What would you yeah. like to see the Vikings do at quarterback?
1: Yeah, I'm a little torn. Um, I'm not sure. I I like Cousins. I think that uh, he's a really good quarterback. Um, I also do buy into a little of the idea that if all of a sudden you're paying a guy $45 million and you have other good veterans on the team and other good guys who are now needing to make some money, the rest of the roster suffers um when you look at some some other teams that have been able to get through of the niners certainly you look at all the talent they got and you're like how can they be under the cap well their quarterback is making eight hundred thousand dollars a year that's forty million or forty five million dollars different than what um the vikings have in terms of quarterback at the starter you know devoted to it so Mm -hmm. um that you know there are um you know there, there are and, and and that's why you can put so much talent around him. And then the trade-off would be okay. You go spend forty million dollars. You know, let's just for the fun of it say the Niners got Cousins and paid him forty million. Um, there would have to they would have to cut half the roster probably, <laughs> right? right? So so and, and I don't know. Uh, the the team that just won the um, Super Bowl has the highest paid quarterback in the history of the league. So yeah. it isn't an end all be all that a high paid quarterback you can't win. Um, if the quarterback is so good that it doesn't matter who he's playing with, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't think I don't think Cousins necessarily rises to that level where he's so good it doesn't matter who. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure uh, how how I'd want that. I I don't think there's any sure bets. I saw I, I, I saw a, a speculative trade proposal. I think Colin Cowherd, who you know, whatever. I I don't listen to him much. Yeah. This was on Twitter coming through, and he proposed the Vikings send. Their first round pick at 11 this year, their first round pick next year at whatever it was, and Justin Jefferson, yeah, to the Patriots for the number three pick this year to get Drake May, yeah. And I'm like, you'd have, to, I don't, I don't understand anything about that trade in any way whatsoever. Why you would, why you would do that? Like, yeah. like you you would give up the best receiver in football next year's first round pick. Obviously, you'd swap first round picks this year. To bring in a guy who you're not sure like drake may's upside right now like he could be josh allen right yeah. i mean if it really goes well for him yeah would you play justin jefferson in next year's first round and this year's first round for josh allen i don't think i would i,
0: I saw that I too and i thought mm, nope, not for me so
1: yeah i i don't understand the uh I, I think sometimes we we overvalue draft picks in the hope of a guy um I, like like josh allen is as good as drake may's probably going to be and i like josh allen but i don't think i'd trade jefferson and two first for him i really don't yeah um and 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 you want to trade that for a guy who you're not even sure it's 50 50 at best that he is the next josh allen so i don't know i don't have an answer for you i i think they absolutely need to sign uh jefferson though they got to keep that guy there and then uh, figure out what they want to do at quarterback. The one thing is they've got – there are some quarterbacks out there that you can probably bridge. I think they got to draft a quarterback, whether they bring Cousins back or not. Mm-hmm. And then there's some bridge guys that you could use. I mean, Baker Mayfield's going to be out there available. And, you know, is he I, He got a team to the playoffs last year, right?
0: Gardner Minshew.
1: Gardner Minshew. There's yep. others. So yep. who knows? Um, and and um, they have big decisions to make. There's, there's no doubt about it. I think Atlanta's going to be a major player in – in cousins, and I think he finds that attractive. I believe he has a house in Atlanta. Okay. Um. So uh, you know, I, I think that, um, that that there's going to be some, uh, you know, some some competition there for him as yeah. well. Yeah,
0: I don't think any of those three top quarterbacks are going to. I don't think those spots are going to get traded. All of the top teams at the top need quarterbacks. They keep talking about New England is going to trade out. They're the most likely to trade out. Well. They don't have a quarterback. I mean, they've got Mac Jones, so they're going to move on, too. I don't think those three teams uh, wind up trading. I think it maybe gets a little wilder after that. Best case scenario for me, sign Cousins to a a, a decent contract for two or three seasons and then drop J.J. McCarthy a little later in the draft. Not necessarily at 11. I'd like to see him get him a little later, but if they deem he's worthy of the 11 pick, I'd be okay with that.
1: Yeah, and depending on how you know if, if Cousins give you any kind of a break, yeah, um, you wouldn't even have to draft difference. a quarterback. if if he signs a one year deal or a two year deal, you wouldn't have to draft a quarterback this year. Yep. I don't know what the college crop looks like in terms of next year, but yep. it's it, you know that that does buy you some time, which is probably what they were thinking last year when they signed him to a one year deal, and yep. then yep. they kind of got caught in no man's land. Cousins got hurt. Um, ideally, you know, you, you, would have had him all year. You'd be in the playoffs. Who knows? It's a crapshoot once you get to the playoffs. Um, but as it turned out, it kind of, they, they didn't tank enough to get, you know, a top five or six pick, but they weren't good enough to make the playoffs. So they're kind of in this murky middle area, you yeah, know, and you're going to yeah. have to, you know, do something if you want to do something. So yeah. I, I agree. If they, if, if, if they announce tomorrow that they got cousins doing extension, a two year, you know, I don't know. I, I'm just, Pretending I that I know something, this, you know, two year seventy five million dollar deal or something. Yeah, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Not not fully guaranteed. I think that was reported this week that they yeah. will not guarantee the contract. They're worried a little bit. Thirty six year old guy with an Achilles injury.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'd, I'd be okay with it. I certainly wouldn't, um, you know, start throwing fist at somebody about it. That's right. for sure. Right.
0: Krimmer, thanks so much. Good luck tonight. Yes, sir. Always great to chat, Todd. Thank you. Voice of the Golden Gophers, Mike Grimm, he'll have the call for the Gophers at Ohio State tonight. That's it for the Todd and Friends podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.